If you would, turn your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 9. Isaiah, chapter 9. We are kicking off our Christmas series today that also has a hope theme. It's when hope was born. And uh, we are in Isaiah, chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. Follow along as I read. It says, Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed. As when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, and afterwards more heavily oppressed her. By the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, and those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. Skip down to verse 6. For unto us a child is born. And unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Let's pray together. Father, as we pause now this morning to consider the greatest gift that has ever been given in the human race, the gift that you gave when you sent your Son into this world to save, to bring peace, to bring hope. And so, Lord, we pray today that you would just minister your word to our hearts, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, who's ready for Christmas? Anybody have your, have your uh, shopping done already? Anybody? You know, I was at somebody's house recently, and I was shocked. I mean, they had their Christmas tree up and a ton of presents under the tree. And that blew my mind because we barely just got our Christmas tree up, and they're like already done. Speaking of presents, there was a husband and wife who had decided that it was time for their family to buy a new car. And so for Christmas, they were going to get a new automobile. The problem was they couldn't figure out what, they couldn't agree on what to get. The husband wanted to purchase a brand new truck. The wife, she wanted a sleek sports car. And so they argued back and forth, and she gave him this ultimatum. She said, Buster, and you know whenever your wife starts calling you by a different name that you're in trouble, right? She said, Buster, I'm telling you, if there is not something out there on Christmas Day that goes from zero to 120 in 60 seconds, you're going to be in trouble. Well, Christmas came, and sure enough, out in the driveway, there was a beautiful, nice new pickup truck for him. And under the tree for her was a bathroom scale. (laughs) Funeral services are pending. (laughs) Well, today, as I mentioned, we are beginning our Christmas series that we've entitled When Hope Was Born. And I think there's a lot of people right now who are looking for hope. In fact, I noticed something this year leading up to Thanksgiving that I had never seen before. Driving through our neighborhood and driving through other neighborhoods, I noticed, and this is like the week before Thanksgiving, that a lot of people already had their Christmas decorations up. 
They had the lights on the house and driving by at night. You could see their, their trees, you know, in the, the window. And I never, ever had seen Christmas decorations up this early before. But I think the reason is that people are looking for a sense of hope. There's been a sense of like, hey, we need some hope and some joy in our world. In fact, the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention published a survey in August that found that U.S. adults reported substantially more symptoms of anxiety disorder and depressive disorder in the single month of June of 2020 than in the combined months of April through June in 2019. There has been a noted jump in this feeling of hopelessness because of the effects of this pandemic, and that hopelessness seems to be growing by the day. Isaiah, writing here 700 years before the birth of Christ, was writing in a time in Israel when things were dark and hopeless. It was during the reign of a king by the name of Ahaz. He was the son of Uzziah. And the reason for their hopelessness and the darkness was civil war had broken out in the land and the people were divided. And then on top of that, Assyrian oppression was hovering over the land as well. And so Isaiah writes here in chapter 9 this word of hope. But in reality, he was writing looking forward to a time that would come when Israel would be living under an even greater oppression, the Roman oppression. And that's when he prophesies that a savior, a redeemer would come, that a child would be born, that a son would be given. And that is such a wonderful picture of innocence and vulnerability. There is nothing more innocent and vulnerable as a newborn baby. But this picture that he paints is also one, not just of innocence and vulnerability, vulnerability, but it's a picture that he paints that's combined with a picture of strength because this baby would not be any normal baby. This would be God entering into our world. And so Isaiah paints a picture of the glory and the strength about this child when he says, and the government will be upon his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, the the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of peace. You see, the coming of this baby would signal the reality that a divine light was now shining in the midst of the darkness. That hope was born during a time when everything seemed hopeless. And the declaration of hope in the coming Messiah is just as important for us to focus on today as it was when Isaiah penned these words, and as it was in the first century when Jesus was born and Israel was living under the oppression of Rome. You see, Christmas reminds us that there is hope in the midst of the hopelessness. But you see, there's a difference for us. In Isaiah's day, as well as in the days during the first century, Israel was looking forward to the hope that was coming when this child would be born. They looked forward to the coming of Messiah. 
We, though, we look backwards as well as forward. We look back to the child who was born. We look back to the Messiah who has come. We look back to the redemption and the salvation that has been brought because God sent his son into this world as a gift to bring salvation to the world to everyone who would believe on his name. We look back celebrating that. But we also look forward to the second coming of Messiah. When Jesus is going to come to this world and he is going to set up and make right everything that is broken. Now, in the midst of the hopelessness we sense in our world today, we need to have the right perspective. Because here's the truth. When our focus changes, our feelings change as well. In the rest of our time today, I want us to consider the feelings... In that first Christmas story, I want to consider the feelings of Mary, of Joseph, and of the shepherds. And I want you to note how their, when their, their feelings changed when their focus changed. We'll start with Mary. Mary is this godly young girl who's engaged to be married to Joseph and marriages in those days were by uh, arrangement. And a year before they came to the time where they could be married, they would enter into a time that was called, they would be betrothed. And, and when they were betrothed, that means that the relationship was actually legally binding. It meant that, that the only way that that uh, relationship could be dissolved is they would have to get a divorce. So it was a legally binding relationship, but there hadn't been a wedding ceremony yet. The marriage hadn't been consummated yet, and they would be living separately during that time. So Mary at this time, she's a virgin, and, and she gets a visit one night from an angel named Gabriel. Let me read this to you. It'll be on the screen. I'm reading from Luke chapter 1. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to a man to be married named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Now confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think, what could this angel mean? She's like freaking out. Why is this angel here to, save, to see me? Verse 30 says, and then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom of his kingdom there will be no end. And then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know, I have not known a man? So how did Mary react? The angel comes and visits her, gives her this prophecy. Well, it tells us in the text that she was confused and disturbed. This makes no sense to her. She is pure. She is a virgin. She has never been with a man. She's confused by this, and she starts, you know, for sure in her mind thinking, what is Joseph going to think? What are my parents going to think? How are my friends and the rest of the community going to react when they find out that I'm pregnant? Because, see, she knows in that culture that a woman who has broken her marriage vows could actually be stoned to death. So Mary, rightly so, is confused 
and disturbed. What about Joseph? How did he, what was his initial reaction to the news when Mary comes to tell him that, hey, I've got some news. Um, You know, I love you and I've been pure, but I'm pregnant and the father is God. Just, Just let that sink in for a minute, all right? Your fiancé comes to you. I mean, let's put it in modern-day context. and says, you know, you know, I've never been with any man. I'm pure. I'm still a virgin. But I'm pregnant right now, and the father is God. I mean, how are you going to respond to that? Parents, you're 16-year-old. That's probably about the age that Mary was. She comes to you and says, Mom and Dad, you know, I've been pure. And, you know, I've never been with anybody. I've been saving myself for marriage. But I'm pregnant right now, and the father is God. I mean, how do you react? How do you process that? Well, Joseph's reaction was completely normal. Joseph was hurt and brokenhearted. You see, Joseph, he felt betrayed. He felt like a fool. He felt cheated on and embarrassed. And he no doubt was wondering, what are my parents going to think? And what is the community going to think? And I mean, he loved Mary, but this was too much. And he's deeply hurt and deeply uh, disappointed. And, and he wants to be done with Mary. So he makes a decision to be done with her quickly and quietly. We read in Matthew chapter 1, verse 19, it says, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Joseph's like, okay, this is too much, and you know, I don't want to embarrass her, so I'm just going to kind of put her away. This is our marriage. It's this wedding thing. It's over. I'm just going to send her away secretly. So Mary... She's confused and disturbed. Joseph is hurt and brokenhearted. What about the shepherds? How did they initially react to the news when the angel appeared to them to announce to them that the Messiah had been born? Well, in Luke chapter 2, verse 9, it tells us that they were terrified. They were scared to death. They were filled with fear, and they were looking for a place to hide. So Mary is confused and troubled. Joseph is hurt and brokenhearted. And the shepherds are filled with fear. And I ask you this question. Is that not a good picture of so many in our culture right now? So many in our culture who are confused and troubled, who are frustrated. So many in our culture who are hurt and brokenhearted. And people whose hearts are filled with fear. There is a sense of hopelessness that has filled the hearts of so many people today. In fact, another survey, national survey, found that 27.8% of the U.S. adult population has reported symptoms of depression in 2020 compared to only 8.5% in the previous three years. Have you ever heard of death of despair? I hadn't heard about of that, but death of despair is deaths that are the result of people who have died from alcohol consumption, drug abuse, or suicide. Now, back in May, researchers estimated that there would be, here in America, 75,000 people who would die deaths of despair this year because of this pandemic. Now they're saying that there's going to be 150,000 people who have died deaths of despair because of the despair of this pandemic. You know, there's 13 million people who are still jobless right now in America. People are feeling hopeless, and our world needs hope. 
And 2,000 years ago, when the sentiment of the world was very much the same as it is right now, but for different reasons, God spoke loud and clear, I'm not done. In fact, I'm just getting started. And hope was born when Jesus, the Son of God, came into this world. And you know what we need to do? We need to learn to follow the examples of Joseph and Mary and the shepherds and to see how when their feelings change or their feelings change the moment that their focus changed. And when their focus was taken off of their surroundings and the circumstances and they put their focus on God, everything changed for them. And if we do that, this will be the result. We'll have less confusion and more clarity. We'll have less stress and more peace. We'll have less fear and more confidence. We'll have less hurt and more healing. You see, Christmas, this Christmas, we need to not give up. A lot of people giving up right now. We need to not give up, but we need to look up. So here's what I want us to do. In the remainder of our time today, I want us to consider what happened when Mary looked up. First of all, we'll start with her. You see, at first, Mary, she's confused. She's disturbed by this unplanned pregnancy. She focused on the situation, this impossible situation that she was put in. She was focused on the rumors and the gossip and the rejection of Joseph and and her friends and her family and her wedding plans have been destroyed. They've been thrown in the garbage. Mary's whole perspective, though, would change when her focus changed. When she took her eyes off of all the potential problems and put her focus on the promise and the plan of God. Let me read to you from Luke chapter 1, verse 35. Again, it'll be on the screen. It says, and when, when she said to the angel, how can this be? The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the, the highest will overshadow you, overshadow you. And therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who has been called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Now that last word, from Gabriel is so powerful. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And I love the way the New American Standard Version puts that verse. It translates it this way, for with God, no word is without power. See, here's an incredible truth. Let me everybody here say truth, okay? Here's an incredible truth. There is power connected to God's word. In other words, behind God's commandment, there is enablement, there is divine power for you and I to carry out his command. You know, Peter, writing in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, refers to God's word as a seed. And the Greek word there for seed is the word spermatosa, from which we get our English word sperm. And the idea is this, that when we embrace God's word, it has the power to produce life in that place that was once barren. It's the spermatosa. 
It has the power to produce life. And so we need to learn to do what Mary did when she was given this word that she declared there in verse 38. Okay, let it be according to your word. Mary says, let it be. That was really bad. I know. It wasn't the Beatles who started that, though. That was Mary. Mary says, let it be according to your word. She says, let it be. So I'll surrender my heart. I'll surrender my body to God's plan. And you know what? If you and I do that, if you do that in your marriage, if your marriage is having issues, and you say, Lord, I see what your word says and how it instructs me, and I believe that your commandments are your enablements, so let it be. I'm going to walk in that. You'll, you'll see that God will meet you with divine power. Whatever it is that you are struggling with in your life, if you take what God says in, your, in his word about that situation, and you say, Lord, let it be. According to your word, because I believe that there, there is no word without power, that there's power in your word. I'm going to walk in that. He will meet you with divine power. So Mary says, let it be. I surrender my heart. I surrender my body to God's plan. And she realized that this wasn't the end of her story, but it was just the beginning. That she was beginning to see that God had a bigger plan for her life. So that's Mary. What about Joseph? You know, everything changed for Joseph as well when he looked up. When he stopped focusing on his pain and he started focusing on God's plan. Let me read to you from Matthew chapter 1. It says in verse 20, this is after Joseph gets the news from Mary. It says, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said to Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So Joseph, the angel saying to Joseph, there's a bigger plan at work here. Now verse 24 says, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. So how did Joseph respond once he looked up and saw the plan of God? Joseph responded by saying, how can I help? How can I help? How can I be a part of this plan. Joseph stopped focusing on his pain and he started focusing on God's plan and that made all the difference in the world for him. So Mary responded by saying, let it be. Here's my body. Here's my heart surrendered to the Lord. Joseph responds by saying, how can I help? What about the shepherds? These guys are out in the field protecting their sheep. And it's interesting Interesting thing to note, the shepherds of, of Bethlehem were known to be the shepherds that took care of the sheep that would be used in the temple for the sacrifices. For the, they, they were taking care of these sheep that would be, uh, sheep that would be inspected to be spotless and without blemish that would be, be used to be sacrificed for the atonement of the sins of the people. 
And when the angel appeared at that at first, we, 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 re, we read that they were terrified. And rightly so. I mean, it's not every day that you see an angel, right? But then the angel said to them, I'll read to you from Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 10. The angel said, do not be afraid. Now, it's interesting. The angel said that to Mary, Joseph, and the shepherds, all three of them. Don't be afraid. Why? Because the Lord is always wanting us to challenge our fear with faith and to put our faith and our trust in him and to walk not in fear, but to walk in faith. And so the angel says, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you that you will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child, and all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Now I love this. I love the fact that we're told that the, the shepherds responded by going in haste. The idea is they responded right away. There was no procrastination. You know, too often we miss out on the blessing of God because of our procrastination. God tells us to do something and we procrastinate. So he asked somebody else to do it. He asked someone else to step into that. God calls us to take a step of faith or to step out in obedience to something that he's saying to us and we procrastinate and we miss out on the opportunity of that moment. So we can learn from these shepherds to respond in haste right away when God calls, to not procrastinate, remembering that this truth, that God's commandments are his enablement. So anything that God is commanding you to do, he's going to empower you to do it, but you're not going to experience that power until you step out, until you take that step of faith and you take that step of obedience. Because with God, nothing is impossible. With God, no word is without power. Now it's interesting that the angel said to them in verse 12 that this will be a sign to you. And the sign is going to be that you're going to find this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now why would that be a sign? I mean there's babies born every single day. What was the sign? The sign was this, that the baby would be wrapped in swaddling clothes. Now why was that a sign? Well, you see, swaddling clothes are what they used to wrap up dead people. When somebody died, they would wrap them with these wrappings that they referred to as swaddling clothes. It's what Jesus was wrapped up in when he was put into the tomb. And so this was totally foreign idea that they would find this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. That was kind of odd and weird. That would be the sign. But it's so prophetic, isn't it? Because the baby that was born was born to die. He was born to go to the cross and pay the price for the sins of the world. 
And it would be through his death that he would bring lasting peace and goodwill toward men. It would be through his death that people would be able to experience peace with God, having their sins forgiven. It would be through his death that people would be able to experience peace within, having their guilt removed. And this is the hope that came into the world when Jesus was born. The hope was this, that freedom would be made available, not from Roman oppression, that would come later, but freedom from sin and freedom from guilt and freedom from shame and freedom from the fear of death. So Mary, she looks up and says, let it be. I'm surrendering my heart and my body to you, Lord. Joseph looks up and says, how can I help? How can I help carry out this plan of God? The shepherds responded by saying, who can we tell? This is such great news. We've got to get it out. Who can we tell? And I love what it says in verse 20. It says, then the shepherds returned, glorifying God and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard as it was told them. The shepherds' response was, who can we tell? And they gave glory to God. But with each one of these people, their feelings changed when their focus changed. And guys, that's what we need to understand. That's what we need to latch on to today. Now, I know some of you watching online and some of you who are sitting here are probably thinking to yourselves right now, I know how you think, but Pastor Rob, they all saw angels. And if I saw an angel, yeah, my focus would change as well. I suggest to you, we have something better than even seeing an angel. And you know what it is? We have an empty tomb. You see, that's why Peter said this. Peter says that God has called us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You see, Jesus, this baby that was born that grew to a man, he didn't just die on a cross to pay the price for our sins. If he just died, all of this, it would be vain, Paul said. It wouldn't be worth anything. But he didn't just die, but he rose again. And he rose proving that he's exactly who he claimed to be. That everything that he said was true. That everything that was prophesied by Isaiah could come true because Jesus beat death. He came out of the grave. He rose in order to give us life. And if you're here today and you don't know him, you haven't given your heart to him, that life can be yours By simply just declaring, just calling out to him and and admitting, hey, I'm a sinner, I need a savior, and today I want to put my faith and my trust in you. Christmas tells us that there is hope in the midst of our darkness. Amen? I'm going to say that again. Christmas tells us that there is hope in the midst of our darkness. Amen? Thank you. All right, let's stand together and let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the gift that you have given to us in your Son. 
And Lord, I pray that we would be, that we we would follow the example of Mary and saying, Lord, here is my heart, here is my body, here is my life surrendered to you. Lord, I pray that we would have the mindset of Joseph that would say, Lord, how can I help? How can I be a part of your plan? How do you want to use me? And Lord, I pray that we would be like those shepherds, that we would praise and glorify and continue to just look up. Lord, we don't want to give up. We want to look up. And Lord, I pray that in the midst of this season where there's so much hopelessness, that we would follow the examples of the shepherds and ask ourselves, who can I tell of the hope that we have in Jesus? Lord, I pray for those in our fellowship who are sick, those who have tested positive, that you would heal them, that you put your hand upon them, that you'd help them to get through this. And I just pray, God, your protection on our fellowship as a whole. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.